Welcome to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they applied. In each episode, you'll discover business books past and present that are changing the lives of people just like you. We'll cover some hidden gems, some lost classics, and shed new light on books you thought you knew. Guests range from up-and-coming coaches, consultants, speakers, and authors to big names sharing things they've never shared on podcasts before. I'm Matt Johnson, agency owner, podcaster, and author of Microfamous. I'll be your host for this journey through the land of life-changing books. So let's dig in. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Brian Bogart is our guest today, and we are talking about a very interesting book that I think um, a lot of people, a lot of us should have read because it's the sequel, one of the sequels to a book that most of us, if you're listening to this, you probably read it already, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So we're going to talk about the book Cash Flow Quadrant. And Brian, you're a super fascinating guy. You and I came across each other through a mutual friend, one of my favorite people, Nikki Ballou. Uh, he's the, the host of, uh, he's a podcaster in our space. And you're also up in the same area up in Canada. And you you came across um, a, like the you know rich dad, poor dad, and then you got this other book that we're going to talk about. And you got into investing and you managed to retire at the ripe old age, like just like the, just like the cartoon character from Up retired at 37 years old. You got out of the rat race. So that is an insane, insane accomplishment. And I know a little bit about your background. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but let's, uh, first of all, just welcome. And um, when somebody asks what you do today, what do you tell them? Well, Matt, and, and pleasure to be here, by the way. Thanks for having me. i uh, really excited about this, uh, this chat we're, we're going to have. I, I tell people that I'm uh, a wealth coach. And, and really, that's about, you know, my journey, as, as you alluded to, started 17 years ago when I got mine cracked open by, by Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I got out of the rat race, became financially free, you know, now working on a, a net worth of 10 million. That's my next goal. And along the way, people just kept asking me, like, how are you doing this? And what, what is this world you've discovered? So I, I just look at it as I, I coach and train and help and support people on how to move on to the wealth track because you know my other favorite influence, the matrix, I think the financial system is much like the matrix. That's that's mm -hmm. they got all us, us hooked up and they're sucking the wealth out of the average person to keep that machine going. And when you can break out of that and realize like, wait a minute, there's more to life. I can actually be doing this for myself and take my own freedom and, and, and life back. So how do, what do I call myself? It takes too long to explain all that in my elevator pitch. So I, I just call myself a wealth coach. Yeah, I like it. And, uh, and for those that are listening, you can't see Brian's shirt, but it's, uh, it's Morpheus. So that is, I think that's, and the, the, like the references to the matrix are sprinkled all throughout your website. So you, you and I probably have a, uh, a little bit of an inner, inner nerd geek, a uh, little, little sci-fi fan in both of us. So I like that. And, uh, and that, there really is, I think that's a good, I guess, metaphor for your role in, in your clients' lives, right? Which is to help them see through the matrix, get them out of the the mindset that essentially has been kind of, we've just been drawn into and led into our entire lives, right? And um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is one of those books that's like the first cracks in the wall for, for most yep. people. Like it, yep. almost everybody I've ever talked to that's read that book feels about it that way. Now we're going to talk about the book that really took it further, but set the scene a little bit for me. So when did, when did Rich Dad, Poor Dad first come into your life? And then we'll talk about the next book, but set the scene. Where were you at? How old were you? What were you doing? I, I was in my early 30s. I was working in the corporate world, 
And, and you know, it was shortly after I first saw The Matrix. And I, 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 I put that through because I feel like my life was, is that movie. First, I was Mr. Anderson. You know, I had a good life and a good job, but it just wasn't satisfying. And I was desperately searching for a way out. That's when I stumbled upon Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And right around the same time, I found my Morpheus. The guy sitting beside me at work was investing in real estate. And I didn't know that. We used to have a, a running joke when I would come, you know, we'd come in the office on Monday and I'd be like, hey, how's your tunnel going? And he'd go, pretty good. How's yours coming? You know, in Shawshank Redemption, where the guy's like digging a tunnel with a spoon out of prison. Like that was our joke. And then one day I asked him and I found out he was investing in real estate. So we started going for a bunch of lunches together. And then um, I did one property with him and was working on a second. And I literally said to him, Rich Dad, Poor Dad says we should start a company and partner with as many people as we can find. And he said, listen, he was a bit of an introvert. He was like, listen, you want to deal with the people? I'll deal with the properties. And we incorporated a company. This is about 18, 19 years ago. We incorporated a company that I still own to this day. And we started partnering with people and actually applying the lessons that we were learning from the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I wish... Um... I wish to come across my my desk a little early. I think I found it in my early 20s and it got me interested in real estate investing. But then I, so I got sidetracked by building a professional service business in real estate, as I'm sure a lot of investors do. You, you It sounds like you stay focused because you were already, you're making your money from your corporate career. And it sounds like you're able to maintain that until the investing eclipsed it. So you didn't have to go out and get, you weren't drawn by the commissions of the real estate space. You basically just wanted to build it as your escape from the rat race, which you did successfully. So as I understand it, you went from corporate worker all the way to full-time investor, just walk in one day, quit the job, walk away. You know, passive income is more than you're making at your job. Yep. I mean, it probably wasn't exactly one for one at that point, but I was ready to take that leap. So, and, and yeah, I, I had moved to being, first I moved to being, I, I'm not one of these like burn the boats, you know, just, just right. jump off the cliff and hold that the uh, parachute appears. I'm not one of those. I'm a pretty conservative guy as even though the things I invest in, people often think, oh my goodness, that's so aggressive. Nah, I approach it in a really conservative way. Mm -hmm. So I'd been contracting with the company for about a year. And then I, I had another training company where I was able to work part-time as I transitioned out of that. But I just, I wanted out of that matrix so bad. And I, I knew it, it had to happen. I'd set a couple of dates that I'd blown by and it hadn't happened. And on the third one, I was like, no, I'm doing it. I'm pulling the pin and moving on. And at that point, our investments were going well enough. That it was like, okay, this, this is going to happen. This is going to work. So uh, yeah, absolutely. And going back to the real, I, I got asked that a lot. Like, why don't you become a realtor if you're getting into investing? But honestly, I looked at it as, I don't want to get distracted with that. There's plenty of realtors that are experts at what they do. So why not build relationships with them and, and use them? And then a lot of them have become clients of mine as I've shown them how to get into the investing world and how to focus on that side of it. So I decided, and, and my partner, my original Morpheus was pretty good with that as well. It's like, no, no, let's stay in our lane mm -hmm. and let's use professionals, uh, you know, build our team and do it that way. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, most people are not that focused. Uh, and, and in my mid twenties, that I was not that focused. So, uh, so let's talk about the cash flow quadrant. So, when you, so obviously, rich dad, poor dad comes into your life while you're working a corporate job, making great money. How long does it take you to come across cash flow quadrant? And what's maybe the first thing that stuck, stood out to you about that book that was such a mind blowing experience compared to the first one? 
I, I remember the moment. I'm getting goosebumps, honestly, just, just thinking about it. So I, I, once I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I, I was pretty much hooked. I, I started going to, not just with Kiyosaki, but with like, I started going to seminars. And, and back then it was seminars, not webinars, right? And so I started getting on that track. So I found Cashflow Quad pretty quickly. I would say, you know, maybe six months after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But I remember what really shifted for me is this idea of the quadrant. And again, you know, people are listening. There's the, there's the four quadrants that, that Kiyosaki introduces in this, the employee or the solopreneur quadrant on one side, which is really still, you're just trading time for money. And then there's the other side, which is the business owner and the investor side, where now all of a sudden you're taking advantage of leverage. You're taking advantage of, of having a team of people working for you, producing revenue that you can then channel into investing. And this is where, it, you know, as, as Elon Musk would say, the rocket ship started to take off when I started to see what became possible. Because there's so many, I mean, realtor is a great example, right? How many realtors are out there working harder than they used to at whatever they used to do? Like they've just created a job for themselves mm-hmm. where they're, you know, they're always away on the weekends. They're never attending family events. Yeah. They're the worst boss they could have for themselves because they just keep taking it on and on and on. And so I wasn't interested in that. I started as an investor, but with this book, I could see where also having a business would, would again, that, that leverage around that. So that's when I opened up my coaching business. And I remember I was on an airplane. I don't remember where I was coming back from, but I was on an airplane and I was reading this book. And, and Kiyosaki was really talking about the concept of most people will give up freedom for security. But business owners and investors understand that they'll give up security for freedom, mm. right? The, the reverse. And he's, he, it says in the book, like 95% of the population will trade their freedom to work for your business just to get a paycheck. And I was on an airplane and I literally looked up and down the aisle of the airplane and thought to myself, it's true. Like almost everyone on this plane would sacrifice their freedom for a paycheck to work for my company. And then I'm the one that becomes free. So they'll, they'll, they'll sacrifice that freedom in order to get security. And then we find out with things like economic crashes and COVID that that security is just a bunch of nonsense. Like it's total smoke and mirrors and it doesn't even really exist. So yeah, that that was in going through this book. I just was like, this is now my path for the rest of my life. I will be focused on, you know, how do I turn what I'm doing into a, an actual business where it doesn't depend on me being there working ten hours a day or eighty hours a week, and then funnel uh, that into uh, into my investments. Um, yeah. Which, if you you know, you look at a guy like Elon Musk. Yeah, he runs businesses but he makes his money through investing. I mean, look what he's doing in the world of crypto and all that sort of stuff now, right? That's how he becomes the richest person on the planet is by that combination of business owner and investor. Yeah, it's uh, and most investors, I feel like, don't don't look at their business that way in the no. sense that they, uh, they run their investing business the same way a realtor runs their business, which is they, they keep doing everything, they have no leverage. Um, there's no systems. Absolutely. Um, yes, that's an interesting thing. Um, at, at what point did you start to add some leverage into your real estate investing business and start like actually treating it as a business owner of an investment company as opposed to you being an investor? So it, I've had my coaching company, Next Level Success Coaching now for uh, seven years. 
And, and actually, I've been thinking about it for about 10 years. But the reason that I resisted it is for exactly what you're talking about. I didn't just want to get onto the, you know, move from the corporate hamster wheel into the entrepreneurial hamster wheel, which, you know, it, it might have uh, uh, better chairs and a, and a foosball table, but it's still a prison in my opinion. Okay. So I really resisted because I was like, no, no, I want to work out a model for, for, for this business where I'm not the, you know, I'm not just going into the, what, what uh, Kiyosaki would call the S quadrant, the solopreneur quadrant where I'm making a job for myself. So I knew it was going to take some time to develop my curriculum and, you know, get into it and, and proof of concept. But then as quickly as I could, I started creating things like group coaching, right? Where now I can leverage. So I'm working the same number of hours, but if I can have 10 clients instead of just one-on-one, which most coaches go in that and they just do one-on-one coaching forever, right? So that was my my first move. Um, actually, right in the middle of COVID, I, I hired my first, uh, uh, or my COO, my, my first full-time person to come on board. And she is an expert in all these things I hate and I'm lousy at, like the tech and the admin and the follow-up and the communication and, you know, and, and, and all that sort of stuff with social media. So she's the one working on that. That's another thing. I, as soon as possible, I wanted to get those things off my plate. Now I'm looking at the like, okay, so how do I have evergreen programs that are just running on a consistent basis so I can onboard people at any time? And, you know, if they want to pay the 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 price I'm charging to to just work with me, I'll, sure, I'll take a few one-on-one clients, but the majority of the people are still going to be getting value and producing results, either being in the group coaching or in the evergreen programs. Um, I started to talk with some people about bringing on them as coaches to replace yeah. me. Awesome. But that was always the, the the goal in all of this was to, to take me out of the equation and have a, a, a true business that, you know, I'm overseeing, but I'm not the worker bee in it. Yeah, which is, and that's rare in all industries. But yeah, it's interesting how uh, in the business coaching space, if that's still just as rare there. <laughs> For, for a whole bunch of people that should know better and know how to coach other people on building systems, they end up having business coaches that are solopreneur businesses. Um, the, uh, the cobbler's yeah. kids never have any shoes, right? That's, <laughs> the, that's the way it works. Yeah, I've been very fortunate that um, to have some really good clients and, and just good friends uh, in the space too, that, that every step of the way, they've systematized and built a business and figured out how to turn it into not passive income, but leveraged, pretty leveraged income. And then that freed up the time to where they could work on the next thing, which which meant when they did start their coaching business, they came into the coaching business with that expectation exactly like you did, that this is not something I just do and trade time for dollars. Like that's, that's something you do when you're, uh, it's something you do when you get into coaching, not because you already built a scalable, systematized professional service, you know, yep. or or an investment business that's passive. That's something you do when you just need the the, the paycheck. You yep. end up getting like a blue collar coaching job. There's nothing wrong with that. But the people nope. that like for you and for the people that I know and work with most of the time, they've already built something. They streamlined it, systematized it. Now they go into the coaching business with a completely different mentality um and uh, yeah a lot of it comes from like the cash flow quadrant because they understand that at a deep level yep and uh i did a bunch of research beforehand i mean again i'm an investor at heart i'm an investor who happens to run a business i'm not a a business person who started investing right so i'm a little backwards in that but i did research right from the beginning again and you know read books about this and took courses and apparently 10 percent of the coaching businesses ever crack the uh the six-figure mark 
right? And and most of them are, are, are that, yeah. yeah, or or even less than ten percent will ever yeah. crack that. And that's and look at realtors. I don't know what it's like in California, but I can tell you up here in the Greater Toronto area, there's about sixty thousand licensed realtors, and more than eighty percent of them won't make $40,000 in a year and they have to have part-time jobs, right? And it's because they're chasing, they're trying to get the paycheck. They don't come in with any systems or a plan or anything like that. And so I brought all of that that I learned from the you know strategic investing into what I was doing when I was opening a business. Now, you know, there's still hurdles along the way and learning lessons and you know it doesn't always happen as fast as what we want it to, but I'm staying true to that uh, um, uh, that idea um, cause why would I want to go back to trading dollars for hours? That would make, no. I, I, I'll quit coaching and just go back to investing before I would uh, go to that model. Yeah. 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 Once you have that skill set, why would you ever give that up? Uh, is there anything in the book that you find yourself either coming back to for yourself to kind of reground yourself in first principles or in your work with other people that you find yourself reminding them of. So you got, you've got the big idea of the quadrant, right? Was there anything else that he talks about in the book that you find yourself coming back to or redirecting people to, in addition to just the core concept of the quadrant? Yeah. You know, that's, I'm trying to think if there's anything in the book itself and he may have said it, it's been a while since I've gone back and read it, but I, I think, yeah, you know what? This this would definitely be in line with it. And then again, back with the, the Matrix movie that I mentioned is the idea of it's all systems, right? Like everything is a system. It's just whether you're in a really inefficient, chaotic system or you're in a disciplined system that, you know, step by step and producing results. The, the business world is a system. The investing world is a system, right? So I try to really reconnect myself back to that and recognize it, especially when I'm getting lost. Oh, wait a minute. It's it's like when people say, you know, I mean, you're, a, you're a health and fitness guy as well. And people be like, oh, are you still on your diet? It's like, well, everybody's on a diet. It just so happens yours is the, you know, the Popeye's and the McDonald's diet. And mine has a little bit more discipline and, and thought put into it, right? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with this. You're in a system, whether you know it or not right? Everybody is part of a system and following a system. So now how do you tweak that to produce predictable results in, in either your investing, your business, or both? That's what I, I'm a system guy. I, you know, my old job was in the world of IT and business analysis. So I'm a huge system guy in that sense. Everything I do is, is based in a system. I haven't locked my keys in my car. Well, now I have a Tesla, so I can't even if I try. But you know, like, I, I locked my keys in my car once and then I came up with a system so that it would never happen again. And that's the way my mind works. That's the way my business, my investing works and what I try to reinforce with my clients. It doesn't have to be, you know, a thousand spreadsheets and super anal and budgeting and all that. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about creating a system. Hey, it's Matt. And if you want to turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, that is the question I am obsessed with. And you can get all of my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, etc. It all goes into the Microfamous Field Report, which is available only on Substack. So go to microfamous.substack.com, enter your email address to get access for free. And now let's get back to the conversation. Now, no, I, I was pulling a book out. Uh, have you ever seen this before? It's called The Systems Mindset by Sam oh, Carpenter? Probably, but I, I'm going to look it up now that uh, the systems mindset, I'm, systems I'm sure that mindset. would be like, like, you know, 
music to my ears yeah, uh, uh, it's, or something it's, like that. It's one of those that I come back to. You, you've already got the mentality, but it's really, it's really great to read his perspective on it. But uh, it, it was one of the things that I, I kind of already thought, uh, maybe it's a personality thing that you and I both have, but just drawn to that. Um, like if you do, um, I don't know, have you ever taken the uh, uh, personality tests that are based on Jung, yep. so like 16 personalities and stuff like that. So yep. um, I'm an INTJ. So that's like the the nickname for that is the architect. So I'm always looking to like build something that runs without me. And then I'm on to the next. Like I'm not interested in staying in the system. I want to yep. build the system and then leave. And I didn't really know that that was my skill set when I was younger. I just knew that I would lose interest in things. I'm like, oh, I must just be undisciplined. What? Well, no, I'm actually really disciplined when I'm building a system. But once the yep. system is built and the intellectual creativity, stimulation, yep. stimulation yep. yeah, like I'm on to the next. And so, it sounds like you're that way too. Um, but man, like when you once you understand that it's a superpower and not a weakness, and you use it and you build systems, and you're like, oh my god, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like the same the, the example you gave with uh, with keys. I, I don't have friction like that in my life. It doesn't no. exist. No. Because once I have it once, I build a simple little system and it never happens again. I, it mystifies me that people don't do that. You, you want to be lined up behind me at security at the airport because I'm through in like 31 seconds because I do it exactly the same. And I'm even picking which line based on other people and how systemized <laughs> yeah, they how are. You know, like that's, that's like I am through security, I'm standing there all ready to go. All my little doohickeys are laid out, you know? And it's like, you know, people like look at you like, you fly a lot? No, I just have a system for when I do fly a lot, you know? So yeah, absolutely. So I'm definitely going to check out that book and, and I agree. And, and, you know, like this is so interesting. And this is again, you know, another, another matrix metaphor. The, the educational system was not necessarily built for people like you and I, right? No. And then you get in the job world and it's even worse. And that's why, even though if outwardly looking, my career looked successful and my life looked successful, I was miserable because I was trying to apply systems all over the place and create these things. And that wasn't being positively reinforced or rewarded in that world. I knew I had to get out. But even in the entrepreneurial world, like you said, it's still surrounded by, and the real estate industry is a classic one of that, right? But people just don't. And, and like you said, I look at the rest of the world and I go, how are you people not like losing your marbles, jumping off of bridges, tearing your hair out? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Um, I've heard, I've heard an interesting theory and I'll run it by you and see what you think. It par partially it has to do with being introverted, but also has to do with your tolerance level for chaos. So have you ever heard the theory that that people are introverts versus extroverts because oh yeah and i'm almost in the like, middle of the scale i can turn it on for things like this and be super extroverted but then i need to go in my cave and and have my time <laughs> alone and you know that's why we were talking about moving to an acreage earlier you know I, i'll exactly still be on podcast but then when i turn it off i'm like you know go sit on my porch and watch the watch the coyotes and not talk to anyone for three days yeah so you know exactly what i'm talking about uh and the, th the theory behind that goes if you're on the more of the introverted side, it's because you are more sensitive to external stimulation, right? Mm. So you're more more sensitive to two people talking over one another, which drives me insane, right? Yes. You're more sensitive to the chaos of a messy room and un, like things being untidy oh. and not having their place, right? That's fascinating. So I, so I don't, yeah, it's uh, something that I've never, I just came across that theory. And I'm like, that's really interesting. And I am, like I grew up raised by a couple of, 
introverts, basically. My dad was a pastor who, so he had to be extroverted in certain situations, but he was a natural introvert. And we were very raised in a very non-chaotic household. I know other people that were raised in very chaotic childhoods that when then ran the opposite direction and cannot stand chaos because it was such a negative association. So it's not, yep. it's not like a hard and fast thing, but no, it's basically no, no. how like, how sensitive you are to chaos and in your life. And if you're, if you're really sensitive to it, you'll do something about it. And that's that let's, that's what leads you into being more of a systematic person. So yeah, you might notice some other things in, in your life that like, Oh, that, okay. That explains why I'm that yep. way in, yep. in this case. But yeah. So like you and I both look at other people and marvel at why they're not systems driven and they must just not feel the same level of pain yep. that we do. Yeah. It doesn't hit them the same way. And yeah. and usually, you know, the, the reverse of that is people will be like, oh, you're not spontaneous. You're, you know, like everything has to, you're very rigid and, and linear and all that. And then it's like, yep, <laughs> that's what makes me happy. Right. I, I mean, I'm jealous of my dog because he gets to eat the same thing every day. Like I, if I could just live where I just opened up a can and I was so excited to eat what came out of it, like he is, I, I you know, because then I could just have a system for food, right? Go buy cans, open can eat it would be perfect that would be uh, that would be That's ideal true. for me when when i moved into my house i planned where everything was going to go based on the efficiency level of the kitchen you know what i mean like, really? like oh i got to i got to make sure that the cutlery is this close to the dishwasher so it's easier to maneuver this and this yeah, yeah. like yeah it's all totally systems uh, driven and and i think a lot of people if they did spend an hour in our brains they would uh, uh, you know, they might like be very frightened, but yes, they, they, but <laughs> yes, their life would exactly. get easier. Their life would get easier. It uh, would. Let's uh, let's finish with this because then I want to talk about just where people can connect and, and learn more and all that fun stuff. Because I I know uh, I would love to get you on. There's you'll probably be on a couple of our client shows and and maybe even on on Real Estate Uncensored, the one that I host. So there'll be plenty of opportunity for like our audience to fantastic. To get to know I'd you. love to come back and chat um, with you more, to Matt. But uh, let's talk about uh, so so when you're working with. Um, when you're working with clients, who's the people that you feel like get the most benefit? Because I know you, you work with different, like a range of different people and stuff like that, but you're a systematic guy. You want to help them build systems in their business. Not everybody is, is going to be super well suited to that. So like, who's the perfect person that should get into your world and should get to know you? Yeah, great question. So what I find at this point, like m most of my the work that I do is around helping people become investors. So hmm. it's the people who maybe they're tired of, of, you know, stocks and bonds and mutual funds and that their bank and their advisor. And they kind of see that now, like I do, as that's the matrix and that's the, the machine world that I'm trying to get out of. So then they, they, they try to take it on themselves, but they just become overwhelmed in about 15 minutes because there's such a lack of information and data and mentors. Everybody's just trying to sell you something. So for me, I, I made a conscious choice that in all my programs, I don't have any investments for sale. I'm literally taking people through my systems for how do I find research and then make the decision and then manage the different types of investments I do. Real estate investing, private lending, crypto I have a system for how I do due diligence and find these opportunities and then how I manage them through to the exit strategy. So what I'm essentially doing for these for people who, you know, are interested in that is I'm systemizing the notion of investing and what I hear over and over again from people is I don't know where to start. I know I want to be in this, but I've been waiting three months, six months, five years because I don't know where to start. And as soon as I do start, I get overwhelmed within 15 minutes. Well, I've made that into a system. 
I talk you through, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three, here's step four, go back to step two. And, and I've made it into a system that they can now apply to their investing for the rest of their life. And it happens to be a system that produces uh, uh, results when applied. So yeah. those people who are looking for that and, and haven't gotten started, but know they want to be in the world of private investing, that's the people who call me up, see what, you know, hear me speak or see me and go, I need to work with you. I, you are the person I've been looking for for the last, you know, three years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully I'm about to give you one of the best endorsements you'll ever get. Um, so let me put it this way. When I see people in the entrepreneurial space, get into coaching programs for stuff like this, the place where I see them go off the rails the most is in their need to put their stamp on things, mm. to do it their way, just for the just because they are who they are. They're entrepreneurs and we all have our own opinions on stuff. And that's all awesome. Yep. But I would say that if, if, they, if someone gets into your world where you've created a system that works, it's not about squashing their creativity. It's about no. giving them the mental and emotional freedom to continue focusing on the things that require their focus while they build this new skill set. Build the skill set quickly, follow the system that you have laid out already, like take the mental and emotional burden off of yourself so that you can keep focusing on whatever you're like growing your business, right? Like learn, learn the investing stuff on the side by following a system allows you to keep putting your creativity into the business where it really belongs, as opposed to trying to put your creative stamp on everything in your life, which basically creates chaos, right? So for the people that would normally go, well, I'm not the best at getting into somebody else's system. I'd rather learn it for myself and create my own thing, because I'm totally that person, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but getting into somebody else's proven system, the big benefit is that it takes the mental and emotional burden off of me to, cr to put my creative stamp on something. Let, let that be somewhere else. I, I love that. It's like you work in marketing or something. You just uh, summed that up uh, pretty uh, pretty naturally. And, and I'm going to use that just so you know, Matt, because I, I, I absolutely love that. And you're right. And usually it's like, yes to the creativity, but I would even say it's just more the time because yeah. it, most people, you know, they've, they've got families, they've got jobs or businesses or whatever. They don't have the time to become an investor like I have and take the 17 years to learn the ins and outs of this and, you know, lose 50 grand here and a hundred grand there trying to sort it out. Right. Yeah. So this way, that's the other thing. If you just, what if you adopted a, a system that's already been proven to do results and then you don't have to create a part-time job of learning how to be an investor for yourself. But I love the, the side of it with the creativity in that as well. Because yeah, once you learn the scales, then you can get creative with the, you know, your piano playing or that sort of thing, right? And, and take it whatever direction you want to go. But every music teacher you sign up with is still going to take you back to the scales in order to get you started and, and you know, and, and, and help you learn that piece of it. Right. So they I do, love that. Which is why Thank I never you. took piano lessons. And thank God for that, because <laughs> I would have killed my piano teacher. All right. So, Brian, where, where do people go to learn more and connect with you? So, I mean, if you if you search my name, Brian Bogart, and we already said the spelling, so, you know, I'm sure we'll include it in some show notes. So, people, mm -hmm. so you Google me, you'll find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. My company is called Next Level Success Coaching. Uh, so, that's N, N is in next, nlscoaching.com. And then I'm Brian B at nlscoaching.com. I'm up here in Canada, but I mean, nowadays with the virtual world, I, you know, I, I've had clients in Taiwan, I've had clients in Singapore, clients in the US, uh, all over Canada. 
So uh, yeah, I mean, and and I'm excited to come back and talk. You 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 said to me that you know you you ask uh, questions in a unique way before we started, and I really find that this has been one of the yeah. the more interesting podcasts I've been a guest on. So I absolutely want to come back and keep uh, keep chatting with you, man. That uh, this was a lot of fun today. Yeah, I, I so appreciate that. Uh, and the book is Cashflow Quadrant, obviously Robert Kiyosaki. So everybody should go out and get that. It's the the mind blowing one of the many, 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 many sequels now to to Rich Dad Poor Dad. But uh, if you're if you're in the tiny sliver of the audience that maybe hasn't read Rich Dad Poor Dad, if that's not possible, I feel like you like you said you could throw a cat in any direction and just about hit somebody that's read that book. But if you haven't, obviously go read that and then get the Cashflow Quadrant because uh, yeah, I mean it's it's literally changed both of our lives in various roundabout ways. You went the investor route. I ended up in marketing, uh, but for the real estate space for a lot of the same, the same reasons, because I came across that book. So, so go out, get the cash flow quadrant. And more importantly than that, actually put it into action. Right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. One out of a thousand people probably actually take, you know, the millions have read the book. How many people have actually put it into action? Even if it's a small action, it doesn't have to be something huge, but just take action, right? That's what changes your life. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now, to get the micro-famous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the micro-famous field report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today so you get that. And stay tuned for the next episode of One Book That Changed My Life. We'll see you there.